Welcome to the 53rd episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me, as always, is Roger Entner. How are you doing, Roger? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. So this week, we've invited Avi Greengart, founder and lead analyst at Techsponential, to talk with us about the new iPhones. How are you doing, Avi? I'm great. Thanks. Awesome. So just a couple days ago, Apple announced the latest wave of iPhones. So there are four new models, similar to kind of how they've done this for the last couple of years. They have a mini a 13, 13 Pro, and the Pro Max. I thought it was an interesting announcement in terms of kind of incremental upgrades. But Avi, I'd love to hear your thoughts in general in terms of, you know, what are your high-level thoughts of the new iPhones? I mean, these were all basically incremental upgrades, but when you aggregate incremental upgrades to an ecosystem-driven play, people buy into iOS and then they don't leave. Incremental upgrades are meaningful to consumers. If you're upgrading every two to three years, especially the battery life improvements are going to make a big difference and people are going to buy them. Yeah, especially with uh, massive discounts, right? AT&T gives you a thousand up to a thousand dollars off. T-Mobile, what seven hundred, and if you do iPhone for life, it's eight hundred. Verizon has a similar offer out there. It's a no-brainer, right? Uh, to buy to buy an iPhone four with new uh, inards, right? <laughs> iPhone four with new inards. Uh, I think it's a, a little bit different than an iPhone 4. Well, it yeah. looks like it, right? A lot bigger, a lot bigger than an iPhone 4. A lot bigger. Hopefully that helps us with holding it right. Actually, uh, some, some of the, uh, the Pro Max is so big, it's hard to hold. But if you're willing to sign up with a single carrier for a multi-year program where they refund, they basically finance the phone, and then they refund, refund the finance charges over the course of two to three years, and you're willing to sign up to one of the pricier unlimited plans, you can't beat these deals. I mean, AT&T is willing to give you basically a free iPhone Pro, not just... Yes, but by the way, only ten less than 10% of people who get a new phone actually pay for it outright. Everybody else finances it. All these caveats in reality don't, don't actually apply anymore But because everybody finances it. And, and it's a smart thing to do, 0% financing... Who cares? But let's look a little bit more in the phones. I think there are a couple of really interesting things that happened. Well, one of the most interesting things is that the Mini stayed in the lineup. Rumors are that it's not selling as well as some of the larger phones. And one of the key reasons for that is that battery life on the iPhone 12 Mini is relatively low. Um, And so consumers facing a $100 upcharge for the larger model with better battery life just said, you know what, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get the bigger one, even if I might want the smaller one. Yeah, and battery life is really an important factor. That's how I convinced my wife to upgrade from her iPhone 11, because my wife doesn't believe in charging phones. So I said, like, here, you can stick with charging it less often. And now you know, even more so. And, you know, hopefully with the iPhone 14, you never have to charge it again. Uh, the iPhone, yeah, well, well, the iPhone 13, you still will have to charge, but they get between one and a half and two and a half 
hours more average use time, whatever metric Apple is using there, they, they should last a little bit, bit longer. And I think the additional battery life will have the biggest impact on that mini uh, because it was a bit underpowered from a battery perspective last year. Yeah, but with it, the phones got like a quarter millimeter thicker and the weight increased between 7 and 12 grams. Not that anybody will notice, right? But uh, but those who are attacking that phone with measuring devices and scales. But yeah, everything has its price. But what I thought was really interesting is like the iPhone Pro and Pro Max have an i15 chip with five GPUs, whereas the regular iPhone 13 and the mini have one with only four cores. Yeah, that's some relatively minor changes that Apple's making at the silicon level. It's interesting that Apple would do that given the amount of (laughs) management overhead uh, that it takes to to create separate chipset lines. But uh, the, the, I think the, the bigger difference is on the display. The iPhone Pro 13 Pro has the ProMotion 10 to 120 hertz variable refresh rate display. That should be noticeable even for average consumers and could get a lot of people to upgrade to the iPhone 13 Pro instead of the regular iPhone 13 this year, especially since... There's no difference in the camera array between the regular 13 Pro and the 13 Pro Max. Well, but there is a when, when you look at the fine print, there there is something that they didn't announce. If you just get the 128 gigabyte variant, the Pro resolution is max is a maximum of full HD. You have to get the 256 version to get the 4K with 30 frames per second. So it's another the of these little things that if you don't pay attention, you might walk away disappointed. I don't know. I think that the, the type of person who's going to care about that is going to get the higher storage. I'm not sure if the, the, the issue is the memory rate at which the lower model can store all that information or whether it's simply Apple saying, look, if you, if you don't get the more storage, you're going to run out of storage so fast shooting in the pro mode that you're going to have a poor experience. So we're sort of going to uh, uh, force your hand. But, you know, I, I do think there are going to be a lot of regular consumers who buy the pro model so that they can get the better cameras and the better display, even if they never use the full range of features that those better cameras offer on the video side. Oh, and I think to some extent, some of the biggest enhancements in terms of devices over the last three or four years have been centered around camera arrays, right? So if you look at, you know, what Apple's done with multi-camera arrays, if you look at some of the higher and Android devices out there that are going, pushing all the way up beyond, you know, hundred megapixel, cameras, I think, you know, that's really exciting for for a subset of consumers to be able to have, you know, something that's almost rivaling a DSLR in their pocket, right? Yeah, and especially with their improved uh, night picture capabilities, people should realize that quickly, because when do you take pictures very often, you know, in a 
say post covid world it's you know when you go out with your friends i know it's a novel experience for for us but this camera will be your will be very welcome for that yeah and and the big change seems to be aside from the 3x telephoto on the pro line uh, the big change is that all of the new cameras let in more light they have larger sensors and in normal shooting conditions you're not going to notice that at all but again yeah in low light conditions it, it should make a difference and people use these cameras as their main cameras yeah so i think if you have an older phone and you don't mind you know having a an interest rate free loan this is the way to go right it, you know, I'm I'm carrying around as my main device an an 11 Pro Pro Max, and apparently the Pro Max gets even bigger, right? The 11 Pro Max is about the size of the 11 Pro, so I don't know if I need a phablet, right, in in my in my pants. You know, it's it's almost a no brainer for upgrading, and you know, it will happen. So do we think this is going to drive a accelerated upgrade cycle this year? I mean, I think you know. What we've seen in the past is if there's a new form factor that will tend to drive a little bit more upgrades. But given that this is primarily an incremental upgrade, although it is, you know, for for the most part across the board in terms of screen, chip, camera, and, and battery, do, do we think this is going to drive more more sales at the carriers or, or for Apple? And I do think that um, the year-over-year comparisons might be a little bit on the difficult side because. Adding 5G drove huge upgrades for the last iPhone, particularly in markets like China. And we barely even heard the word 5G at at this event. But we are seeing 5G actually becoming meaningful over the next year. Oh, really? I think so. With C-Band at Verizon next year and... With at T-Mobile, even today, they finally have meaningful coverage of mid-band spectrum that leads to higher average speeds. So if a consumer gets a, a new iPhone, whether that's last year's or this year's, they're actually going to see some speed improvements. Yeah, and nobody cares because the killer app for 5G right now is speed test. Right now, you know, when, when I just before coming here, I was on a analyst event and for for one of the chipset ma- makers, and they said like, "Oh, and people can download things so much faster." And I'm like, "When was the last time somebody downloaded something?" Right? Security updates, updates, app updates. Okay, okay. So it will be five seconds instead of ten seconds. When your phone gets hacked and you need to do a zero day update because uh, you, your security has been compromised you can download that update really quickly roger over wi-fi right because that's what happens so i i still say that the, we, we haven't seen the killer app from a consumer perspective that really needs 5g and that's why after the hoopla that apple did last year and all the money they took from from verizon i assume for for being heavily featured as the official 5g partner they mentioned it for 80 seconds or something like that this time because I understand why the carrier wants to go 5G because it's so much cheaper to provide 
service and they can utilize more things so that consumers can worship a metric that doesn't really matter in their in their daily lives i just think that i just think that from a consumer perspective consumer marketing perspective now that the 5g networks will show up and actually be faster unlike yeah but what do you do with it what you buy a new phone yeah okay uh, but it's that circular thing what, what application really needs me to have 500 megabit per second download Roger, I'm not arguing you with you about that, uh, at least today, although who knows what apps will uh, and services will come. But when you talk about upgrade rates and what's yep. driving upgrades, you cannot sell a non-5G phone in China right now. Correct. And in the U.S. right now, it's still sort of a, a transitional period. But by mid-year next year, you probably also won't be able to sell a non-5G Phone and people who don't have who have older iPhones will actually look and see 5G as a reason to up as one of many reasons to upgrade. The primary reason again is we're going to be battery life. Yeah, exactly. And in some cases, maybe the promotion display, a, a prettier screen, a better camera, all of these things. And yeah, and by the way, I'm a big proponent of building out 5G because without building out 5G, we can't have these new applications being built by smart people in garages, right? That come up with AR, VR and things that you know neither one of us on in on this podcast can imagine that will actually utilize this because you know we remember when the the 3 and 4G use case was like oh we'll download pictures faster nobody saw video coming right but yeah this will be really really interesting so who'll be the big winner on this upgrade cycle i think it's always going to be apple right <laughs> Can't argue absolutely with that. who do you think among the carriers will win in the us Short term T Mobile, longer term, I think Verizon is going to make a lot of noise as it rolls out its C band spectrum. And given the brand perception it already has, it actually should be able to do reasonably well. I mean, Verizon managed to sell tens of millions of, of millimeter wave phones that are almost useless <laughs> in almost any situation outside a couple of stadiums or a handful of street. Well, those phones also were C-band compatible though, right? So when they turn on C-band, they will be useful devices. Absolutely. My point is only that Verizon's marketing machine was so good and their decades-long investment in their 3G and 4G networks carried over in consumer perception that they were able to make hay with 5G even when... 5G was completely meaningless to the vast, vast, vast majority of users almost all the time. And so as they roll out a network that is actually useful, even if it's only for you know, downloading game updates, I think that uh, you know, they will be able to capitalize on, on, on this new iPhone and be able to say. Right, so, Don, what do you think? So I think it's interesting. If you look at Timo... You know, they're requiring a Magenta Max, which is their, you know, high-end, no no cap, unlimited plan that they've been trying to grow. I think, you know, that's their kind of anti-Verizon play, and they haven't been willing to 
talk about the growth of that specific plan. I think they're trying to get more folks onto, uh, you know, those plans raise their ARPU a bit. AT&T, you know, if you look at their uh, incentives, you know, they're tying this to a 36-month uh, equipment installment plan, right? But they're giving you a, a pretty good deal up to $1,000. So, you know, you can see they're looking to, to drop churn with something like this. I, I think it's TBD. You know, I, I agree with Avi that the the kind of 5G use case. Oh, no punting. Don, no punting. No I'm TBD. I'm not punting. I'm not punting. I, I was going to say that, you know, I agree a little bit with both you guys in the sense that, you know, Verizon's 5G is still very nascent in terms of, you know, what folks are actually going to experience around much higher speeds. And, you know, the presence of C-band in last year's devices and in this lineup, I think it's really going to help when they turn it on. But I also feel like, you know, T-Mobile's got far more uh, mid-band assets than anybody else in terms of, you know, what they spectrum they can actually deploy against this, right? And so I think when a lot of these speed test type things come out, even if it is just about a speed test, all other things being equal, you know, I think it's likely that T-Mobile is going to win in a lot of those circumstances. And, and, you know, for folks that care about speed and that are chasing kind of the latest and greatest, I think that T-Mobile is going to often come out on top. So, but we'll see, you know, AT&T is also offering very good deals. I, th- I think AT&T will come out on top because price matters. Number two will be T-Mobile. And by the way, they just launched free third lines again, which means, oh, we can't make our numbers work without it, right? And I think, at least for the time being, Verizon, surprisingly for all, because it's like we've always seen for like, you know, at least 15 years, Verizon being on top, Verizon being the, you know, the runt of the litter. And it's a noble experience for all of us, right? So that would be my guess. Well, we will definitely, uh, you know, check in after uh, we've got some more results in terms of, I think, you know, Q3, we're not going to have a whole lot of, of data, but, uh, you know, Q4, which is always the biggest quarter in terms of device sales, we should have a, a much better feel for how this turned out. Gentlemen, I think that's all we have time for today. Avi, thank you. My pleasure. Roger, thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Talk to you next week.